1: The Tea biz podcast delivers tea news that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide.
0: Tea is a fascinating and intricate topic, far more complex than anyone can master. Our expertise resides in storytelling by professionals who know the tea lands from birth and speak the native tongue. We believe that transparency is grounded at origin, which is why the TBIZ portal enlists 40 voices skilled in 12 languages to tell the story of tea. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. India's Tea Board offers a review of its raw-leaf price-sharing formula, Consultants have six months to complete an extensive report on costs. Fast food outlets have yet to roll out boba nationally. The European Speciality Tea Association offers tea foundation certificates to coffee shop staff. Plus, t travels to Sri Lanka to attend the Delma School of Tea, hosted by Delma Salon Tea Company CEO Dylan C. Fernando. The school teaches that knowledge inspires passion. In this interview, Fernando shares his passion for modernizing the tea experience for customers who order tea at restaurants, hotels, and resorts. More in a minute, but first this important message.
2: What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Keilani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliptia tea estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka.
0: Raw leaf price sharing, implemented in 2004 and revised in 2013, protects tea smallholders and ensures that both leaf factories retain enough of the final auction price to operate profitably. This week, the Tea Board of India hired consulting firm BDO India to review the current split, which varies by region. Smallholders in the West Bengal Tea Belt currently receive 58%, and Botley factories receive 42% of the average auction price paid for tea. In Assam, the formula is 60% for STGs, small tea growers, and 40% for the factories that process smallholder tea. Bijoy Gopal, Chakbotty, president of SISTA, the Confederation of Indian Small Tea Growers Association, has pressed for a revision of the formula for several years. Chakraborty told the Hindu Business Line, quote, the cost of production has changed substantially in the last 10 years, end quote. The share paid STG, small tea growers, should increase to reflect these costs, he said. In 2007, the Center for Education and Communication calculated the cost of green leaf cultivation, ranged from a low of 5.33 in Tamil Nadu to a high of 7.62 rupees per kilo in Himachal Pradesh. The cost of production in Assam was 6.29 rupees per kilo, and in West Bengal, 6.27. The data for this analysis was collected from the United Forum for Small Tea Growers Associations. The 33-page CEC study breaks out the cost of cultivation and processing. The cost of production is the total of the two. In North India at the time, CEC calculated the cost of production at $1.62 per kilo. In South India, the cost was calculated at $1.48 per kilo. The CEC calculations assume a 2,000 kilograms per acre yield and at least 12,000 kilos harvested. In 2007, the price of urea, the world's most common nitrogen fertilizer, was $280 per ton. On June 1st of this year, the average urea price was $623 per ton, costing about $0.68 per pound of nitrogen. The Tea Farming Project in 2018 reported smallholders could turn a profit in the fourth year after planting, based on sales of 3,700 kilos of raw leaf at a rate of 17 rupees per kilo, earning a 22,900 rupee profit, about $280 in U.S. funds. Researchers used India's price-sharing formula at that time to determine the 17 rupee per kilo rate. The BDO contract gives the consultancy six months from June 2023 to conduct field visits to gather relevant data on the cost of doing business from farmers in the major tea-producing regions. Growers in Namishal Pradesh, Karnataka, Bihar, Odisha, Arunachal Pradesh, Mizoram, Nagaland, and Sikkim will be asked to participate online, completing surveys and interacting in virtual meetings. The Board mandated visits to West Bengal, Tamil Nadu, Kerala, and Tripura, where the concentration of small tea growers is sufficient for conducting primary research. The contract calls for discussions with tea board officials, tea research associations, STGs, and BLF associations, all producers' associations across India representing estate factories, and individual surveys with growers and factories. Chakwabhuti is concerned that because so much of India's tea is purchased directly, the study will not adequately assess the price paid for tea. India's price-sharing formula, quote, was based on the Sri Lanka model, which has succeeded because 100% of their teas are routed through auctions. But in India, only 40 to 42% of sales happen through the auction. PSF will only be popularized when 100% of tea is sold via auction. End quote, he said. Jack in the Box, a San Diego-based fast food chain with 2,200 locations, is testing bubble tea. It is the latest large chain, including Starbucks, Baskin-Robbins, Dunkin', Pete's Coffee, Caribou Coffee, Del Taco, and McDonald's, to have experimented with black tea, sweetened milk, and tapioca pearls, many in 2021 and 22. None have announced a national rollout, despite the growing popularity of bubble boba drinks, 42% of which are made with black tea paired with fruit puree's, favorite, or herbals. Bases can also be coffee, chocolate, or vegan and lactose and tolerant friendly, plant and nut milk. The website Boom, which tracks boba tea expansion, writes that Jack and the Bugs recently added three brown sugar boba drinks to its menu to test demand in Long Beach, Torrance, and San Diego, California. One is a classic milk tea with boba, the second is an iced coffee with boba, and the third is a vanilla shake with brown sugar boba. Boba teas are expanding. The global bubble tea market was valued at $2.29 billion in 2022 and is projected to grow from $2.46 billion in 2023 to $4 billion by 2030, according to Fortune Business Insights. Fortune projects a combined annual growth rate of 7.5% through 2030. The Asia-Pacific market is the largest at $1 in 2022. The largest boba retailers are in Taiwan and China. Boba tea suppliers are concentrated in Taiwan, where customs reported a 330% increase in sales of boba products in 2021 according to Nick's TransAsia. According to the Business Times newspaper, beverage companies spent $3.7 billion launching milk tea brands. North America has emerged as the second largest market. Taiwan-based Gong Cha recently opened its 200th U.S. location. Demand in Europe is growing also, with Chantime Time Group from China and Bobolitos, operating since 2009, African Middle Eastern, South and Central American Markets Trail. The -the Jack-in-the-Box teas are priced at $4.74 for 16-ounce boba drinks, and the shake is advertised at $6.24, according to Chubu. The European Specialty Tea Association, ESTA, will offer an education model to teach coffee shop and cafe staff the fundamentals of tea service at next week's World of Coffee event in Athens. ESTA Executive Director David Veal writes that the Tea Barista Foundation is one of the basic modules of the association's education initiative, known as the Tea Certification Programme. ESTA aims to provide the leading authoritative tea education program in Europe and beyond, explains Veal. Quote, One of my personal and professional goals is to be able to go into a coffee shop, look at the menu, and see specialty tea have equality with specialty coffee in terms of presentation and choice, quality of product and skill, passion and knowledge that the barista can pass on to the customer. End quote, said Veal. A module is an important step in achieving that goal, he added. The course teaches practical skills, including brewing and tasting tea, and will further cover basic knowledge of tea, hygiene, and workflow behind the bar, and touch on customer service skills and menu building. Tea Barista Foundation can be followed as a four-hour course in the classroom, or two sessions online. To earn a certificate, students must pass an online written exam and receive a positive skills report from the authorized tea certifier teaching the course. Arvinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru reports on tea auction prices for sale 23.
2: India tea price report for sale 23 it's for the week ending 10th June 2023. So far, the shortfall in rain has been recorded as about 30 to 40% in Assam and 15 to 25% in North Bengal. And the success of the second flush now rests on rains expected and hoped for this week and next. So, in seal 23 of the auctions, Guwahati witnessed good demand for both leaf and dust. Hindustan Unilever was active. The volume on offer was higher than the previous week, and pri- prices were also marginally higher with fewer outlaws. In Kolkata, offerings were higher, fewer outlots, and all grades barring Darjeeling performed well. Kochi saw good demand for Orthodox Leap. Kunal probably had the best week among all the auction centers, with strong demand for leaf grades, with CTC Leap having an 8- 99% sale volume and Orthodox 92%. The dust market was also very good, and prices averaged just above 100 rupees. Exporters were active for all seed grades.
0: And now, a word from our sponsor.
2: Hi, I'm Nish. I grew up in an organic tea farm and I founded Nepal Tea Collective in 2016. Tea is not just a beverage for me, but a catalyst for social change, sustainably empowering, hardworking artisans like my parents for the past 30 years. I'm on a mission to make the whole world aware of the goodness of Nepali teas. And the good that comes from supporting growers in this remarkable land. If you haven't tasted Nepali teas yet, you're missing out. Our award-winning teas are making headlines. Find out why. Visit Nepal Tea Collective's website to get a free sample of this extraordinary taste of the Himalayas. That's NepalTeaCollective.com, or just send me an email at nish, n-i-s-h at NepalTeaCollective.com.
0: Cheers. T-Biz travels to Sri Lanka to attend the Dilma School of Tea, hosted by Dilma Ceylon Tea Company CEO Dylan C. Fernando. The school teaches that knowledge inspires passion. In this interview, Fernando shares his passion for modernizing the tea experience for consumers. Ordering tea at restaurants, hotels, and resorts. Dilma Salon Tea was founded in 1988 by Dylan's father, Merrill, who recently celebrated his 93rd birthday. Merrill was one of six Sri Lankan tea tasters selected in 1950 to replace British tasters following the country's Declaration of Independence. Forty years later, Delma launched the first native producer-owned brand that offered tea hand-picked and packed at origin. Dilma teas are authentic, ethically sourced, and packaged unblended. Many are sold a single estate. Dylan Fernando was energetic on the Colombo-Hilton Grand Ballroom stage inspiring a room filled with chefs, restaurateurs, and mixologists with insights into what he calls the magic behind Camellia Sinensis. This was the 75th edition of the training program, which has graduated 6,000 alumni during the past 15 years. Fernando recorded this interview between sessions. Dylan, will you tell our listeners a little about this gathering of tea professionals? Where are they from, and why are they here?
1: Dan, we have a, a class this time of uh, uh, 170 people from 44 countries, uh-huh. representing uh, almost 100 different territories. So. Um, These are hospitality professionals. And for us as a family business, our commitment is to quality in tea, quality and variety. But also it is to modernizing the experience in tea. And that means education. It means helping chefs to understand the incredible variety, diversity in tea, helping them to appreciate tea in terms of its aroma, in terms of its flavors, and building a scientific or even you could say a technical framework for them to assess making it easier for them to make pairings but also working with mixologists so we have uh, uh, Peter Kuruvita here who's and Peter's been helping us uh, since 2002 working with tea gastronomy infusing different types of food with tea but also pairing and building that framework that helps people understand how do you extract to deliver the best result? How do you use tea as an ingredient? Um, How do you use it in a dessert? Um, How do you use it to build text that uh, is important? But beyond that, there's mixology. What is the tea that you add to, um, to a gin? What is the tea you add to a rum?
0: Your presentation stresses the importance of modernizing tea as a luxury, not a commodity. You describe tea as an adventure that extends to every mood and every occasion. And you talk about tea gastronomy, mixology, music, and beyond.
1: Ultimately, you need to frame the appeal in tea to a new generation of tea drinkers, recognizing the fact that tea has changed hands to an extent. Of course, we have our traditional tea drinker. They drink tea anyway. And if we're going to expand the franchise for tea, we have a fantastic opportunity in a new generation. They're sensitized to natural plant-based health and wellness. They're sensitized to variety of taste. They're sensitized to artistry in tea, the art of the tea maker, the science of tea making. When you take all of this, you've got a very compelling proposition. But the problem is that you so rarely see that proposition manifest uh, in places where you're serving tea. So even if you're serving a breakfast tea or an afternoon tea or, or having a high tea, you can integrate elements of this. And ultimately, that's what it's about, creating a value proposition, not only for the hospitality operator, but also for the consumer. That's the most important point, to create desire. I sat in the
0: crowd to watch you on stage. There's rapt attention and a sense of camaraderie. What motivates this energetic, experienced class of beverage professionals?
1: Well, I think you need to deliver an experience where each individual personally becomes invested. Um, they need to be committed. And we do that because as a family business, of course, our love for tea, but also our love is for the sustainability and the ethical purpose behind tea that is beyond profit. and so. We also took them to one of our MJ Foundation centers, and there they saw what lies beyond, that is the purpose uh, beyond profit. And they, they, they met children with Down syndrome, cerebral palsy. They, they met uh, chefs in our culinary schools. They, they met uh, women who've been empowered by our women's development program, artisans, and so on. So they united in a purpose. And I think in every instance to get a group to bond so quickly what is important is for us to share with them the fact that this is not simply a product generating profit for my family and I but it is something that is delivering tangibly in terms of soil restoration so they visited uh, 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 our arboretum they've seen our climate change research center on Queensbury estate not physically but uh, on, on screen they've experienced the fact that what they do in tasting our tea and in learning about tea is impacting on the lives of the women in the East, uh, seeing our centers for children and so on. And I think it is that that fosters the camaraderie. It's a shared purpose. Where does tea go from here? Then I think two directions. First of all, for us, it's back to our roots. We need to respect the fact that ultimately tea has incredible diversity that is induced by nature. This every tea grower knows, but not every consumer knows. It does everything from strengthening your immune system to reducing stress, to, to protecting from cancer, cardiovascular disease, that alone is very compelling. But then we need to also understand the fact that there's a new generation for whom tea represents something very different because ultimately it's not a question of tea or coffee anymore. It's a question of tea versus a plethora of other beverages. So, tea is competing in a very different space. So, we need to be ambitious. We need to understand how can we bring tea into a nightclub. Can we do it? Yes, because there are people who are, there is a phenomenal growth in low ABV um, uh, spirits and cocktails. There is a phenomenal growth in non-alcoholic uh, drinks. And so, how does tea fit in? We cannot Stay conservative. We must understand that the first and the second, going back to our roots in quality and the influence of nature, that is interrelated irrevocably with the second. If we respect the first and then we develop on the second, build experiences that are authentic, but to maintain some element of respect for tea and to integrate it into mixology, to integrate it into gastronomy, and craft these experiences that connect with with, uh, flavor. It is a tragedy and a missed opportunity that you have so many flavored teas in the market that don't respect tea. So those flavored teas, um, in using a cheap, very ordinary tea, masked or camouflaged with flavor, are doing a disservice to the future of tea. Whether you use Ceylon cinnamon, or use cardamom, or clove, or moringa, or you use uh, flavor, use good flavor. Use FTNF flavor from the natural food. Don't use the cheap stuff. Because whatever you do, when you combine tea with a cheap ingredient, you're completely compromising your own opportunity, and you're compromising your engagement to the customer, because to them, what is unique about tea is the taste and its goodness. We need to project that. As we understand that the consumer has changed and we give the consumer what they want while maintaining our integrity and respecting tea.
0: Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of tea biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-biz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week.
2: Produced by Audovita Studios.